Morissette. Tune in for my new podcast, Conversation with Alanis Morissette. We'll be sharing them once a month, and I'm going to be having conversations with friends, mentors, authors, and public figures from many walks of life. I'll be focusing on topics near and dear to my heart, like spirituality, psychology, art, health and wellness, relationships, and feminism, which I like to call the feminine movement in both males and females alike. Subscribe and join me in these deep dives starting October 5th. And now, live from Level 5 Productions on the island of Milleronia, it's The Larry Miller Show! Good evening, Mr. and Mrs. America, and everyone who loves Major League Baseball. Hi, folks, and welcome back to The Larry Miller Show. I'm Larry Miller, but in a way, aren't we all? And you know something, folks? It's true. I I say it every week, but it's true. That theme song, our theme, brings a smile to my face and to Colonel Jeff as well. And our prep work goes all into the right place. But we're happy to be doing the show again. And we're happy you're here. Of course, that was the Carlos Fogelquist Orchestra and the Brandy Carnes Dancers featuring girl tenor Rena Adrian Woods asking the musical question, What's the difference between a set and a bit? Are bit-sized sets allowed in comedy? Number one, yes, they are. But let's start with the first question. It's a good one about stand-up comedy. The question is, what's the difference between a set and a bit? And that's our slang. Every comic uses it. I've never met one who doesn't. That a set is your whole act. Your whole act is a set. It doesn't matter if you're performing in one in a theater that's all just you and it's 2,500 people listening to just you, and your act is two and a half hours long, that's still a set. And if you were working at, oh, at a club somewhere and you went on someone else's show and you did a oh, 15 and, or a 20-minute set, that's a set. So two and a half hours or 15 minutes, it doesn't matter. That's your set. How was your set last night? Good, I had a good set. And the word bit is a part of that set. A bit is a line or a whole piece in the set. So you could, I, I, I have a story about skiing in my act. And if I do that, well, sometimes that story runs 30 to 40 minutes. But that's, that's still a bit then, because if it's in my act and the act is an hour and a half and I have a skiing story in it, you could say, hey, how was the set? The set was good. And uh, did you do the skiing story? Yes, I did. That's a good bit. Now, putting that aside and into Rena's other question, are bit-sized sets allowed in comedy? Absolutely, of course. Because remember, a set is a whole act and a bit is part of it. And going to an extreme, folks 
who work just in one-line bits, which are a great group of folks, Stephen Wright, Rodney Dangerfield, Henny Youngman, and Ronnie Shakes, and many, many others, and they all do one-liners. And uh, you would recognize them, and they feel great, too. You know this from seeing them on TV or in concert or on albums that, uh, you know, that uh, Rodney Dangerfield will say, uh, you know, yeah, I saw my uh, doctor the other day, Dr. Boombots, uh, Dr. Vinnie Boombots. And uh, I went in the bar and I started this. I don't know if I have a line for him, you know. And uh, and uh, he said, uh, listen, I uh, recommend you start wearing brown ties to go with your teeth or <laughs> something like that, to go with your yellow teeth. But that's a one-liner. And, well, Dangerfield was great at them. He was great at everything. Henny Youngman, of course, had so many classics like Take My Wife, Please. And, you know, that uh, she said, <laughs> the um, the doctor, she said, where well, we were going on vacation this year. And uh, he said, well, the doctor, rend- the doctor recommended uh, you, you go someplace you've never been there, you've never been before. How about the kitchen? And that's a, that's a good Henny Youngman line. But I must tell you that uh, Ronnie Shakes, I mentioned there, he's passed on now many years, actually. And I mentioned Ronnie Shakes there because, God bless him, he was a great comic. He's passed away now in many uh, years. Boy, I think it's like 20 years. But uh, I knew him as a friend from the comic strip and all the clubs in New York when we were all starting out. And I played drums behind him to give rim shots. He was such a great comic, and he did. He worked in unit lines, in one-liners. Terrific writer, terrific comic, and I would sit behind him, and I was a good drummer, too. So I had five or six, five or six different kinds of rim shots for his jokes. And he liked it, and I liked it. But one of his jokes I, I remember, I will always remember, is uh, he would say... Uh, I've been seeing a psychiatrist now for five years, and he said something the other day that brought tears to my eyes. He said, no habla inglés. <laughs> and it's much better when Ronnie did it. He was just a great, and he would smile, and I'd go, brump. And uh, I just want to tell you, though, that, uh, Rena, good question. What's the difference between a set and a bit? A set is the whole act, and a bit is part of it. And in answer to your second question, are bit-sized sets allowed in comedy? Absolutely. Anytime they can just go and go and go and go. And I think that means the bottom line with comedy is the same as it's always been. Is it funny? Then it's comedy. And by Amazon and PayPal and my book sales, and Barracuda Radio. And it's worth mentioning, we are on Milleronia now. The Colonel and I, we are in our studio on Milleronia, and we have the two dogs, my two dogs, our two dogs, Ozzy and Maggie in the studio room, and they're doing what dogs do, which is they play around together and they make noises, and then Maggie starts it's chewing something. She'll take whatever Ozzy is playing with and start chewing it, and then Ozzy does, well, whatever boy dogs do to girl dogs. I've mentioned that before, and uh, sometimes they're quiet, 
and sometimes we can record with them, but they're right on the edge. That's not said with anger. Well, a little anger, but it's just they're right on the edge. And Colonel Jeff, bless his heart, he is holding his hand up. He was sort of pushing Maggie away a little bit, and I just told him, that doesn't help. To her, that's just a plaything. You hold your hand up, she wants to eat it. If you held your head up, she would eat that. Oh, bless you. Ozzy just sneezed. And at any rate, though, uh, those companies that sponsor us and our own, <laughs> they're, really, they're really crawling. I don't know if you can hear me. And, uh, well, I love them, and, and uh, so does Colonel Jeff. But uh, are we right on the edge now? Should we toss them out? All right, we're going to take a break and toss them right out. Back now, and the colonel just ushered out the doggies, and they're adorable, and they love Milleronia, and they know neither of them will ever be tossed down a volcano for misbehaving in the studio. They're just being doggies and doing what doggies do. And if, uh, well, if they didn't stop, yeah, it would be one of the volcanoes. But just to see it, I think, I wouldn't toss them down the volcanoes. But I could carry one of them up to the lip of Volcano 1. They don't need to see what goes on in Volcano 2. That's the bad stuff. But anyway, so thank you, doggies. I love the companies. I love Amazon. I love PayPal. And I'll tell you what, Amazon is still the greatest company in the world because they do three things no other company does. One, imagine anything you want. What do you want? That's when you should go to Amazon. Number two, they have everything you want. They have the biggest warehouse in the world of warehouses. It's just like one of those Indiana Jones warehouses where they have every product in it, including the Ark of the Covenant. And even they don't know where that is. It's just buried somewhere again. But they have everything. And number three, they send us a percentage of whatever you order. Whatever you want. You tell them. Whatever you tell them, they send you. And whatever they send you, they send us a percentage of it here on the show. Me and Colonel Jeff. And that is money that goes right to our next big fancy fried chicken dinner and two drinks beforehand in a separate place. And as I've said before, we may, might, may, might, might contact Dr. Chris and take him along with us. We might, if he's finished with his clog dancing courses going for the doctorate at the University of Solvang, which is a real place. So Amazon sends us... By the way, you don't go to Amazon. That would be a foolish thing to do. What you do is you go to our website, LarryMillerPodcast.com. Who's on the mountain, Tom Mix? <laughs> well, that was a good news sound effect. That was the kind made by a couple of kids in band in high school that no one ever liked. They just didn't have other pals. And then they became us. At any rate, uh, no, but everyone liked us. In any case, you go to our website, LarryMillerPodcast.com, and we have a banner that says Amazon. And at any rate, Amazon sends you whatever you want Press their banner on our website, and we have another banner, and it says PayPal. 
okay? If you enjoy the show here, and why wouldn't you? And if you'd like to send us a few bucks to help out, and why wouldn't you? You can do it through PayPal. So as we like to say, instead of instead of saying words like donate or pay what you like, I always like to say buy us some drinks. Now, and we have we made it that there are different levels through of of drinking levels one through five, all the way up to we're driving to Florida. <laughs> I love that we put that in, and uh, and I love that guy go yeah. He sounds like level three. And uh, anyway, look for the PayPal banner on our website as well. And remember, that's LarryMillerPodcast.com. We want to thank everyone who's already contributed. It really makes a difference. Every little bit helps, and it helps us keep the old leg lamp lit here. And we uh, we have another well, we have another great thing to talk about. My book sales. I have a book called Spoiled Rotten America, which is very funny, and it won awards. It did very well and in sales, and I'm happy I did it. It was it's put a lot of work into it, and it's a funny book. It's as funny as I can be, and it's as funny as I am. And signed hardcover copies of my book, Spoiled Rotten America, are now for sale at readystore.comedyfilmnerds.com. That's store.comedyfilmnerds.com. If it sounds like I'm really underlining that, I am. It's my book, and I'm proud of it. And please get it. And at any rate, you'll like it. It's funny. And thanks, folks. And by Barracuda Radio, there's Jeff's show, new show. Colonel Jeff has a new show, Barracuda Radio, featuring, well, in this case, he has an interview with the director, Tom Turner. And Turner just released a documentary about organist Corla Pandit. And Corla Pandit is the godfather of exotica music. And that's... That's a big thing for me to say because I always thought I was the godfather of exotica music or at least the women who danced to it. But it's an amazing story and Barracuda Radio is available wherever finer podcasts are found or at barracudaradio.com. In any case, I'm proud of all the things we have there and all the people who invest in us and thank you in advance for the more you're going to do on that. And that brings us to my favorite part of the show, the joke of the week. That's right, still a classic. The joke of the week. This is a good one. I liked it a lot, and Colonel Jeff liked it a lot. There's an elderly Jewish man, and he's in bed at home, and he's dying, and he's there with his wife, and she's sitting next to the bed, and she's with him as always, and he says to her, Sarah, you know, it's uh, it's interesting to look back at our lives that uh, just right after we got married, I was fired. Do you remember that? And uh, But, of course, you were there. We were married, and you were there. And she says, yes, yes, I was there. I remember. And he said, and you know what, then? When I opened a store, and you, you worked there, too. We, we worked together. It was our store. And it was a success. And 
Then, well, when it was burned down by that mob, you were there, though. But, you you know, we were we were together and you were there. She said, yes, yes, Sal, I remember. I was there. And he said, and then when the bad times hit and the Nazis threw us out of our village and, and we had to leave Germany and we, we came to America, you were there. You were still there. You were there, Sarah. And she said, yes, I was still there. And he said, now... Now, well, I'm dying, and you're you're here, though, though. It's you, and you're here again. She said, yes, darling, I'm here again. And he says, Sarah, it's finally dawning on me. You're a jinx. <laughs> That's a pretty good one, isn't it? <laughs> I like the setup of that, too, that it's finally dawning on him. You're a jinx. That brings us to my second favorite part of the show, The Poetry Corner. <laughs> yes, The Poetry Corner. I was just listening to that nice music and thinking, what if that was one guy playing all those instruments? like in one of those street corner in New York, guys. But I'll tell you right now, folks, this is a good poem. It's called The Lake by Edgar Allan Poe. This poem, though, like all the poems we've been doing this month before Halloween are all about, well, the scarier things in the world, and they're all about poets and authors who wrote scary poems, and they were known for that. And... Uh, there's nothing wrong with Halloween to me. I don't never. I I don't get it. I never got it. I don't know why people would want to dress as the Duke of Encino and and come and go to others' houses and and everyone was dressed up. And it's fine with me. You know, good. I'm glad you like that. If if I were invited to a party like that, and we we can get Halloween invitations to uh, a friend's house, and that's look, that's fine. We we do anything, but. I'm not crazy about it. In any case, this next couple of weeks is leading up to Halloween, and I'm going to read you, well, poems by great authors and poems that have an outlook on life you don't see very often. And this one is called The Lake by Edgar Allan Poe. And here we go. In spring of youth it was my lot to haunt of the wide world a spot, the which I could not love the less, so lovely was the loneliness of a wild lake with black rock bound and the tall pines that towered around. But when the night had thrown her pall upon that spot as upon all, and the mystic wind went by, murmuring in melody, then, ah, then I would awake to the terror of the lone lake. Yet that terror was not fright, but a tremulous delight, a feeling not the jeweled mine could teach or bribe me to define, nor love, although the love were thine. Death was in that poisonous wave, and in its gulf a fitting grave for him who thence could solace bring 
to his lone imagining, whose solitary soul could make an Eden of that dim lake. Isn't that lovely? Well, you can't beat Edgar Allan Poe, I'll tell you folks. And that's the truth. That fellow, God bless him, he's a great author and knew something about loneliness, I suppose, especially in his imagination. I hope you like it and look it up one day and maybe read it to the same folks after you've told our joke of the week. And that poem is called The Lake by Edgar Allan Poe. And that brings us to my third favorite part of the show. M, 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 Triple M, The Magic Movie Moment. With the greatest piano note at the end of it. This is a great movie. This is wonderful. And I, I saw this, I remembered. I loved it when I was just little because, well, it's the first time I fell in love with Ingrid Bergman, and I've never fallen out of love with her. And this movie is called Saratoga Trunk, from 1945, directed by Sam Wood, starring Gary Cooper, Ingrid Bergman, Flora Robeson, Jerry Austin as Cupidon, or Cupidon, and, well... It's a terrific movie. It's set in 1875. And, uh, well, these are great actors. And Ingrid Bergman is just as adorable, as gorgeous as she could be. And what a wonderful actress she was. She was playing the difference between, well, black and white. That is a woman good or is she bad? And she really plays them both very well. She wants to get revenge for her parents and... She was thrown away back to France with her maid, who's played by Flora Robeson, and uh, and her her well her short her dwarf servant uh, or manservant Cupidon, played by Jerry Austin. At any rate, she falls in love with Gary Cooper, who's from Texas, whose name is Clint Maroon, and. He's Gary Cooper. I don't know if you don't know these folks as well as you well as well as you should. They're wonderful actors, and they create exactly the characters they should. It's a great movie. Of Gary runs from Ingrid, and Ingrid runs from Gary, but they both realize, well, they're in love, and how they realize it also is a magic movie moment. They go. The scene changes. The story moves from New Orleans up to Saratoga, New York, where they had a great racetrack. And as Gary Cooper describes it, there's a race every day, and there's gambling, and there's rich people from New York, and and famous people from the theater there, and it's a great place to be. And, uh, well, they go up to Saratoga there, and they get involved in a fight. Ingrid Bergman, sure enough, is going to marry a very rich guy who owns one of the railroads. And it's everything she dreamed of, and she can get revenge for her parents. And a fight, though, is brewing between the railroad company and all their hired hands and their tough guys and the local fellas, led by Gary Cooper, want to have a fight on that train. They want to take over the railroad. And it's a great story point. It's a great fight. And folks, 
at her wedding, at Ingrid Bergman's wedding, on the wedding day in the fancy hotel in Saratoga, where she's about to get married to the wealthy railroad guy. Well, the train fight is over, and into the hotel comes a very wounded Gary Cooper. This was a real tough fight, and they were all beating each other up, and he's carrying in his arms Cupidon, the servant of Ingrid Bergman who joined him in this and fought with them. And Cupidon fought very bravely, and so did Gary Cooper. But folks, when he carries Cupidon in, and this is before, just before the wedding, and Ingrid Bergman sees him there, standing there, and she moves over to him, and he starts to say how it went, and they won, they won the fight, but then he collapses, he falls down onto the floor of the hotel, and Ingrid Bergman runs over in addition to, well, Flora Robeson, and they, they take Cupid on out, and they lift Gary Cooper's head, and Ingrid Bergman realizes she can't marry someone else. She can't worry about getting revenge for her parents. She becomes, well, the perfect girl, the girl next door, so to speak, and realizes she loves Gary Cooper, and they carry him upstairs, and she nurses him back to health. And I won't tell you the very end of the movie, but it's a great story point. And I loved Ingrid Bergman for it, and I loved Gary Cooper for it. And I loved everyone in that story who had to do their jobs, and especially little Cupidon, who was heroic and fought with Gary Cooper on that train. And they won against many, many men. It's a wonderful movie. I didn't know as a kid when I first saw it on our black and white Admiral TV. I didn't know what a Saratoga trunk meant. I thought it was a trunk for clothes. A Saratoga trunk for Saratoga. I, I had no idea what it meant. But trunk is a slang word for a railroad. A trunk line was a line that, well, went from one place to another. Why it's called a trunk, I don't know. But so that was the train they fought on, and that was the train line that they wanted to overtake and bring back to, well, goodness. And that's Saratoga Trunk from 1945 with Sam Wood directing and starring Gary Cooper and Ingrid Bergman and Flora Robes and Jerry Austin. Good Lord, it's a wonderful movie, folks. Please see it. And boy, oh boy, that was when your host, me, first fell in love with Ingrid Bergman. And I've never fallen out of love since. And, you know, this is a great time to remember there are many different ways to love. This is a great time for baseball. And you all know that. I don't care if you're a big baseball fan or if you're really not a baseball fan at all. It's a wonderful time. And by the way, for one of the biggest baseball fans I ever knew, today, the day we're recording, today is my daddy's birthday. He's passed on now, well, many years. Uh, I, I guess it's 19 years. And my mom passed on just a year before him. And I know they're in heaven together. Well, who knows? Maybe watching a baseball game. Maybe not, because my mom didn't need that. Need that. <laughs> but I was born, by the way, in two days is my birthday. 
I was supposed to be born on my father's birthday, but that didn't work out. You never know when a baby's going to come. And in any case, though, oh, folks, to see a baseball game with someone who's a real fan, I just want to say these are really great baseball playoff games we're seeing. The Mets and the Dodgers, the Cubs and the Cardinals. Oh, good Lord, teams like the Astros, the Blue Jays. And I just want to say, by the way, where you're from doesn't matter to me or what team you root for doesn't matter to me. I want to say to all of you, come on, we all should love the Chicago Cubs, shouldn't we? I mean, for crying out loud, as you must know, the the last World Series they won was 1908. I mean, come on, and the last pennant they fought for was almost 70 years ago. And they've been punching and fighting and trying ever since. They've never given up. And I think for all of us, and the, the Cardinals are a great team with a great history, but I think even being a Cardinals fan, you have to have in your heart some room to say, boy, oh boy, being a Cubs fan right now is a heroic, poetic thing to be. And here today, right now, they have a chance at beating the Cardinals and going one step further for the first time in a long time, maybe two steps, maybe all the way. And I'll say again, the Cardinals are a fine team from a great city, but if the Cubs win, we should all be happy. Good for them. And every baseball fan, again, no matter what your team, no matter what your city, Every baseball fan should say, good for them. How do you like these guys? Get a load of these guys. And, you know, it's it's true, by the way, that sometimes the rules in guidelines, in sports, all sports, are gray and undefined. Sometimes in all popular sports, we don't ever get satisfied with what the rule says about this or about that. And there was something that happened last Saturday night. And I was working, I was doing two shows at the Pantages Theater. And I was working with Jerry Seinfeld. And, well, he's an old friend. And I loved it. We were, they were, it was a great night. And in between shows, we were watching, well, the Mets and the Dodgers play. And yes, that fella, as you know, Chase Utley, well, he made a, a tackle, a bulldozer move against uh, Ramon Tejada. And I, it's, it's been a controversy, but I, I'm telling you, we were watching the dressing room there. I must have seen that shot 20 times when they kept re-showing it. And you must have seen it too. And I just want to say, I don't know Utley. I don't know any of them personally, but you know what? That was a that was a rotten thing to do, and I think they should do something on the official baseball le- uh, level. Come on now, they have folks who watch these things all the time. Now that guy, Utley, come on now, come on, folks. He was out of the baseline. He was past second. Come on, it, it was had nothing to do with the base getting on base, making it complete. He he was just looking to hurt the second baseman, and he did. He broke his leg. He broke the second baseman's leg, and he's not only out of the rest of the playoffs, he's out of the series. He may never play baseball again. And, well, I know uh, people have been very diplomatic and they're sort of 
tiptoeing around this on the official level. And I just want to let you know that, well, they're in New York now, and uh, and that's obviously where the Mets play, where the Mets are from. And uh, I think that guy should be grabbed on a big team dinner out in New York, and and he should be, well, taken to an empty warehouse somewhere in Queens. And truth, if you're all looking for truth, they should show him some New York truth. And I'm not, I, I don't want to say anything too violent here. I'm just saying that I feel angry about that. I, I saw that rerun so many times, and I want to say, holy mackerel, that's, that's not good. Sometimes there are things that just look look half awful or half good, but you know it. That's no good. That's all no good. And I hope that the fellow he hurt does play baseball again. And the moral is baseball time is good time. All of these teams are so good, and they deserve to be where they are. They deserve to be in the playoffs, just like this right now. And uh, that includes the Dodgers. They have a great team. And uh, I'm not not a Dodger fan, but I wish them well. I I wish them all the satisfaction they're looking for. But if the Mets beat them and the Mets go to the next level, well, I think that would be even better, especially for what's, uh, what's happened with these fellows. And uh, by the way, I'm telling you that when I when I had a chance to see some of these games this last weekend, two shows Friday, two shows Saturday, and well, they had a TV in the dressing room, and uh, Jerry and I and Kevin, the producer of the shows, we watched a lot of baseball, and we loved it. And they're good baseball games, terrific baseball teams. But I'll tell you something about my family that was really made better for it. My family, my wife and my two kids, including our older boy, who's a Marine, who came up from his base down near San Diego, and they all came to the first show Saturday, and folks, when they came back to the dressing room in between shows, and it was my wife and my boys and uh, a friend of ours, Susie, and uh, other friends of ours, well, we've hung out forever. They're in show business, Michael and Janice. And uh, there are older boys' godparents, in fact. And my oldest son, the Marine, came in his dress blues to the show and uh, and had brought that to our house, to his house. And he came into the dressing room. And I'll tell you what, those dress blues are dress blues. They... He looked so good and strong and tough and handsome, but with a big smile and a big hug, and that was pretty great. I mean to see my two boys, and they loved the show, and they loved what I did, and my wife felt the same way, and holy mackerel, I I felt just wonderful, and that's a great gift. That's greater than even the times with these baseball games. The great gift of, hey, what do you want in life? Do you want to be a family man? Well, here's your family. Do you want to be part of that family? Yes, I do. 
Do you want to be the dad and the husband in that family? Yes, I do. And boy, I was sure glad to see them. And here's something. Do you know they went out after that? I had, of course, another show, and I was just thrilled to see them. And it left me with a great feeling. But they went out to dinner, my wife and the boys and Susie and our friends, Michael and Janice, went out to dinner uh, to a place in the valley on Ventura Boulevard. And do you know what happened, folks? Because our boy, one of our kids, was in the Marines dress blue uniform and with the white hat. I know you've seen these on billboards or on TV before, but folks, there's nothing like seeing it in person. And uh, in fact, he was telling us at boot camp when they were getting fit for their, well, for the blue uniforms, he was uh, telling us in a letter that as soon as he put those blues on, he said to himself, I picked the right branch of service. And it's true. And when they went out to that restaurant, he was in his dress blues still. And folks, several people came up to them at their table as the meal went on to say hello to my son, to say, God bless you. Thank you for protecting us. And each one of them bought them something, a, a round of drinks, uh, an appetizer. Each one of the people who came up and I was so touched to hear that. And I said, what a great story. And you're there as the Marine you are in your dress blues. And boy, everyone was touched enough to want to say something and do something. So that was pretty good. That was pretty good family time. And the next night, that would have been Sunday night, the four of us, my wife and I and our kids, went out to a movie together. And it was a, a movie theater we've been to many times around uh, where we live on the mainland and in, in, in the valley. And uh, we had a, a bite to eat for dinner at the restaurant inside the movie theater, which is a great place to sit for a family. It's not that it's a fancy place. It's just that they make a good, they make a good meal. And we were there. Of course, my son wasn't wearing his dress blues at that point, but we just had the best time together, just being together. And we saw The Martian, that new movie that's out. And we saw it together. It was just great to do all this together. And I suppose that's the theme of this show today. Yes, it's great to see great baseball teams play at a great time of the year. It is no kidding great. And maybe you have a preference. Well, you'd like this team to win and that team to lose, that's fine too. It's baseball. But you know what? As good as baseball time is, it's nowhere near as good as family time. I know that, and you know that. And you know what I know. Homer is Homer. Pluto is a planet. And remember, as always... If you walked out of bed today and had a job to go to and a home to come back to and someone there who cares about you, folks, the game's over and you've won. And that's still the truest thing I know. Say hello to a Marine today when you see him and buy him an appetizer, and we'll see you here next time.